Today's reading is um, Joshua, first chapter. Uh, It's on page 216 in the Pew Bibles. The Lord commands Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives and your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy the land which Moses, the servant of your Lord, gave you, east of the Jordan, towards the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. It's better you don't go to sleep until after I start to preach rather than practicing at the minute. Probably take you a wee while to get used to my accent. I was brought up in Northern Ireland, um, came over to England to teach English and also to engage in uh, writing a syllabus for Berkshire, an RE syllabus for Berkshire. Uh, some years ago now, married a girl from Devon and I've spent my life preaching. 
So it's a real privilege to be invited to share with you this morning. And I do trust as we look again into Joshua chapter 1, and I'm relying on the fellows at the back to bring up the text as I refer to it, just to keep them awake. Um, as we look into this chapter, that it may prepare us for the, the challenge of tomorrow. One of the things that the Bible says absolutely clearly is that we are not to boast ourselves of tomorrow. We don't have any right upon tomorrow because our breath is in the hand of our Maker. And you may remember from Daniel chapter 5, whenever the great prophet was speaking to Belshazzar, he said to Belshazzar on that occasion, the God in whose hand your breath is, have you not honored? So I don't want you to misunderstand what I say this morning, because I'm not presuming that I or you will see tomorrow. But if we do see tomorrow, then it will bring with it its particular challenges. Joshua is a, an interesting character. We discover him right back in the book of Exodus. He becomes an assistant to Moses, a man of considerable character, a young man when he becomes assistant to Moses. And during that time, one of the responsibilities he was given was to search out the land of Canaan with other spies, twelve of them all together. They had been promised by God that they would have the land of Israel as their own, that they would discover it to be a land which was flowing with milk and honey, a place of great blessing. And they were told that if they walked with the Lord, that He would give it to them because it was His to give. So the twelve spies went into the land, and you'll know the story, I'm sure, Ten of them come back and said, we can't do this. This is not something that we can handle. The people are giants. The cities are powerful. They're strongly walled. It's impossible for us to take this particular country. In spite of the fact that God had said to them then, I will give you that country. It's difficult to believe God all the time, isn't it? It's difficult to believe God when we see only the giants and the strong cities. And when our problems begin to become bigger than God, then we've got a real issue. I suppose one of the things that's most evident in our society in the last 25 years or so is that people are making God smaller and smaller, less and less responsible. He's not responsible for creation because we have better ideas. People say that man is responsible for climate. God says, while the earth remains, cold and heat shall not cease, etc., etc. So as Christians, we begin to absorb some of this from our society. So when we face particular issues, we're liable to say, well, can God handle this? And the great central lesson of the book of Joshua is to recognize that God can do that which God chooses to do. We've just been celebrating the nativity, just been celebrating God becoming flesh, this immeasurable greatness being expressed in 20 inches of humanity. Can God do what God does? Of course He can. Can God do what God did in the 21st century? Of course He can. Can we trust them with tomorrow? 
Praise God we can, because this is our calling as men and women to present the reality of God in our lives to a community that largely doesn't know Him. So I want to come into this first chapter of Joshua with a little bit of background and to remind you that Joshua, as one of those twelve spies, together with Caleb, came back and said, listen, if God be with us, this land is ours, despite the problems, despite the difficulties, despite 21st century disbelief. Is it still possible for God to revive His church and to extend His church? Of course it is, or we wouldn't be here this morning. We're a living example of what God does, taking men and women and transforming them. So Joshua comes back and he says, listen, we can do this. God will direct us. God will help us. And the land will be ours because He has promised it to us. And the other ten said, no, we can't. So we're not going to do it. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back and have some more garlic and onions. No reflection on those of you who may enjoy both. But that was their view. that They wanted to go back to what they had been, back into slavery, back into bondage. So Joshua spent the next 40 years as Moses' servant, doing that which he recognized was not God's immediate plan, doing that which he was aware of was a a statement of 40 years of disbelief. And God said to that particular generation, if you don't want to go into the land, then you can die in the desert. And can you imagine watching as all but two of those who lived in that generation dying day after day after day after day? And then Moses himself was taken, having seen the land from a distance, but being forbidden by God to enter it. And he who had been this great leader was gone. And so we come into Joshua chapter 1. Got your Bibles handy, then please just keep them in front of you. If not, the words will be on the screen behind me. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. God never calls any of his servants great. He just calls them servants because there can be no higher calling. And you and I are called to be his servants. And his work always continues until the day when the church is complete and he calls us all home. But the servants die, and replacement is essential. It's part of the ongoing challenge of tomorrow. You and I need to discover day by day what the Lord's will is for us because it's so easily uh, part of our lives to become self-focused, to be self-directed, to be in a situation when we only do what we want to do, and God is somehow peripheral to that. But here's a man who is facing the challenge, his personal challenge, from the God of glory, and God says to him simply, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, because God is always the I am, He's the present tense God. It's a now business. 
When I was younger than I am now, I, I used to tend to live my life out in the future. You know, when I've managed to escape from school, then I'll do what God wants me to do. If I manage to stagger through university and get a degree, then I'll do what God wants me to do. If somebody is stupid enough to take me on in marriage, then I'll do what God wants me to do, etc., etc. But God is the God of now. You know, now then. Moses is dead. Now then, what are you going to do? Excuse me speaking bluntly, but coming from Ulster, I've got no option. It's just the way we're brought up. And I want to challenge you men this morning, and you ladies, and say as directly as I can, this is your now. You're here perhaps, and you're studying. It's unlikely, um, because most of you have probably gone home, but some of you may still be studying. Please live your life in the present. This is a now business. Our responsibility is now. And the, the focus upon the, the challenge of tomorrow, tomorrow is its immediacy. It's not manana. The challenge is here and now. You'll notice what the, the Lord lays into Joshua's life as he declares his will absolutely clearly to him. You and all these people. So it's not just individual to Joshua, but it's a coherence. It's a recognition that we are body of Christ, that, that we engage together, that the, the Lord calls His church to function for Him, His people to function for Him, as He did in these ancient days. It's you and all, not you and some. I travel a lot in my preaching, and very frequently I, I have meals with folk who are part of a church fellowship, and the, the same cry seems to go up all the time. We have three or four hundred who come into our fellowship, but only fifty do any work. That cannot be right, can it? It's you and all these people. It's not you and some of these people. As we are together in this business, we reach out with God together to do that which God would have us do as a community of Christians. And we all have a part to play. It's part of our calling that we recognize the immediacy of our responsibility. You and all these people do what? Get ready to cross the Jordan River. Now, you read that in this particular chapter, you discover as you read on in Joshua that this was a major problem. The Jordan was in flood at this particular time, a time of harvest. It was more than a mile across at this particular location. They had no boats. There was no plan at this point in God's dealings with Joshua as to how they were going to cross the river. This was a recognition, not of blind faith, but of the necessity to trust God with that which appeared to be impossible, because this was God's direction to Joshua at this specific moment in his life and history, and for the people as a whole. You can read of the secret of the crossing a little bit later in this wonderful book. But this was the, the next step. It was three days away, as we discover later in the chapter. 
But it didn't alter the fact that they had to get across it. How was it going to be accomplished? You know those great rivers that you're facing in your your life at the minute, and they appear to be insurmountable would be the wrong image, but you get the picture. We can't handle the circumstances. We can't handle the situation. But God can. And if it's His will to take us through a particular difficulty for His purpose, then it's His will so to do. That's a bit Irish, but you recognize it, don't you? God does that which He does. All we have to do is go with Him. God never changes in fulfilling His purpose because His purpose will be fulfilled. He just asks you and me to engage with Him and walk with Him in that particular responsibility. Get ready to cross the Jordan. And you'll notice that through this first nine verses, Joshua doesn't say a word to God. And I really like that because he obviously wasn't Irish. You know, as soon as God had thus spoken to an Irishman, the Irishman would immediately say, how are you going to do that? But you wouldn't do that as a Christian, would you? Because you trust him. You know, my, my life experience is to try to work things out, and when I'm stuck, ask God to do what He does. And when God does what He does, it's totally different to the way I have approached the circumstance, and He works it out. And it's so, and I use the term carefully, it's so easy the way He does it compared with the way I've struggled with it. But then you're not like that, are you? Get ready to cross the Jordan. You and all these people, and I'm going to take you into the land which I am going to give to you. A wise man said to me many years ago, he said, Peter, remember that anything you have, God has given to you, and it's not yours, it's only for your use. It's good, isn't it? Anything you have, God has given to you, and it's not yours. It's only for your use. Some of us may own a house, and we develop the house the way we like it. And then after we're gone or have moved on, someone else has the same house, and they think it's theirs. But it's only momentary. It's only in passing. The God in whose hand you're breath is. So God says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to give it to them, to the Israelites. I will give you, great statements these, very New Testament in their perspective. I will give you every place where you set your foot. Why? Because I thus promised it to Moses. You mean God does what He says? Absolutely. Why are you a Christian? Because God did what He said. And when you trusted Christ, When you came to the Savior, you became a Christian because God keeps His promises. But it's because He is the promiser that He's able to keep the promises. Because He's so great. I was so glad we sang that chorus this morning. Our God is a great, big God. Well, actually, we think He's not quite as big as He was. No, however big you make Him, He's bigger than you think. That's what the universe is about. You know, the the heavens declare the glory of God. 
And I'm glad we live in the 21st century of scientific discovery because this universe is infinite and it keeps on expanding. And that's the way God is because the heavens declare his glory. So here's a a circumstance where God is saying to this man who's been an apprentice for 40 years, I give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea in the west. And those of you who know your geography are saying in your head, hold on a minute, Peter, that was never part of Israel's inheritance. You know why? Because they didn't walk on it. I will give you every place where you set your foot. And all they did was stay mainly to the west of the river Jordan and its valley. And that was the bit they got. You see, we, we, we limit the reality of what God promises. And in Christ, all blessings are ours. That's His promise. And it's to live in the joy and the glory of that, that the, that the Savior came. And as you came to trust Him, it's to live in that freedom because of the Son sets you free. You'll be free indeed. Walk where He wants you to walk. Tread where He would have you tread. Enjoy the reality of His presence and know the power of His giving. And that's what's happening here as far as Joshua is concerned. The Lord says, I'll give you everything you walk on. And that's what let's say we're not going to bother. Too tired, too lazy, can't be bothered, not going there. Okay, you don't get it. And then this remarkable statement. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Why? As I was with Moses. Now, if you forget everything else I say this morning, and you're probably in the process of doing that, will you take this home with you? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That great words are one syllable. And you know exactly what it means. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Why? Because his presence is real. The Savior says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I had a lady come to me once after a service, and she said to me, Peter, the Lord's left me. The Lord's left me. I was a little bit facetious, and I shouldn't have done it, and I wouldn't do it now because I'm older and slightly wiser. I said to her, can I have your name and address, please? And she said, why? I said, because you're the first. The Lord's left me. Well, you're such nonsense in all your life. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And it's a five-fold negative. I will never, no, never, no, never forsake you. And sometimes as Christians, we say, Lord, where have you gone? He hasn't gone anywhere. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So readily we edit the New Testament promises in order to suit our perspectives. All Joshua had in relation to the reality of the presence of the Lord was his promise. I will be with you. And so it is that as this man launches out literally into the deep, 
This is all he has to go on. I will be with you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. You mean I can trust you on that basis, Lord, for tomorrow? Absolutely. Whatever tomorrow brings, you'll be with me? Absolutely. Whatever happens in your life, you'll be with me? Yes. And Christianity really comes down to these very simple, basic principles. We either trust Him wholeheartedly and unreservedly, or we take the bits back into our life and say, well, actually, Lord, I can handle this on my own, and I don't really need you to be involved in my business, and I don't really need you to be involved in my relationships, and I don't really need you to be. And it's so sad. It's so sad. And what I love about Joshua, whose name, as you know, means Jehovah is salvation, is that every day when somebody called his name, he recognized the only person he could trust was the Lord Almighty. And that's our calling. That's what tomorrow's about if the Lord gives it. Lord, help me to trust you. Whatever it is you would have me do, help me to recognize that you'll provide the wherewithal. If I can share just a little bit of personal testimony, and this is not for self-aggrandizement. If you knew me better, you'd know that wasn't the case. I had started to learn to sing with a male quartet uh, in the late 60s and was still singing with them in the early 70s. And I went to Port Stewart in the northern edge of Northern Ireland to listen to a guy preach called Headley Murphy. Now, some of you might know that name. It's unlikely, but you might if you're old enough. And Headley was one of these fellows who was very much used of the Lord in Northern Ireland. And I was sitting in the congregation, about 700 there in the town hall in Port Stewart, and Headley says, we're going to have a solo from a guy that I really like listening to sing. And I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder who that is. And he said, Glasgow, come up here. And he said, Glasgow, come up here. You're going to sing to us. I didn't know any solos. I'd never sung a solo in my life. And I walked up onto the platform and I said, Headley, what's going on here? He said, I feel that this is something the Lord would have you do. So there's a poor fellow there called Albert Mayers, very gifted pianist. And he said to me, Peter, what are you going to sing? And I said, I don't know. He said, do you know the words of any songs? Because he knew Murphy and knew the way he got on. I said, yes, I know. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And he said, well, what, what key would you sing it in? I said, no idea. He said, well, I better go and find a, another piano at the back. So he sneaked out the back of the stage that it was then, and uh, we eventually found a key. And I tried to sing, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And at the end of the service, a man, I suppose, in his late 50s, I've never met him since, came up, took me in his arms, tears running down his cheeks. And he said, Peter, I never heard a word that Murphy said tonight, but as you were singing that song, I came to Christ. As you were singing that song, I came to Christ. Utterly amazing for me. So what do you do if the Lord lays something in front of you and Somehow or other, you, you have to do it. 
You do it in his strength. You're facing a decision about a job. Lord, is this right? You're facing a decision about a new minister. Who are you going to trust? Are you going to compare notes with one another? Or are we going to get before the Lord as individuals and say, Lord, this is the challenge for tomorrow. What are, we, what are we doing here? Is this person right for us? Have you brought him to us? And, and so forth and so on. Trust the Lord, because there's no one else. Trust the Lord, because there's no one greater. Trust the Lord, because as you read the story of Joshua, you discover that the Lord has done great things for us, for, whereof we are glad, because this is who he is. I must hurry on, and thank you for staying with me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then these words, be strong and courageous. Now, I want you to answer me. This is not a rhetorical question, okay? To whom do you say, be strong and courageous? Someone who is weak and fearful, yeah? Be strong and courageous. To whom do you say that three times? Someone who's very afraid and really scared stiff. You notice what happens. This is a wonderful passage. I don't have time this morning to go into it in detail. But look, be strong and courageous because you'll lead this people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. And then further down, you have the same thing. Have not I commanded you, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong in what? Be strong in whom? In the Lord Almighty. You see, one of the, the great fallacies of our thinking as Christians is we think that no one else who's a Christian is afraid. Or we think that no one else who is a Christian is, is in a situation where they feel really weak. The Apostle Paul said, when I'm weak, then am I strong. It's, it's part of the package, you know. We're, we're weak people. It's the way we are. So when the Lord says, be strong and courageous, he's speaking directly into my heart this morning. Jill and I are facing a particular question at the moment we're finding really difficult to answer in relation to our future ministry. And, you know, it's, it's hard. And I'm scared. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. But why? You know, what, what's the subplot to this? Well, notice right in the center of this. In verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Be, verse 7, be strong and courageous, or very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. And then verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God doesn't talk to us in a vacuum. He talks to us out of the, the direction of his purpose for tomorrow. He, he talks, to us, talks to us out of that which he would have us do in his strength and for his purpose. So the first be strong and courageous comes in relation to because you will lead now, can I be blunt just for a change? You, you leaders this morning, responsible for various aspects of the life and ministry of the church here, 
Be strong and courageous because you will lead. You will lead. The Lord has placed you in the position he has placed you because this is his purpose for you at this particular time in your personal history. Be strong because you will lead this people into the land that I'm giving. It's not your church. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You're not leading the church. You've been placed in a position of leadership for his church and his church that meets here. And you're called to, to recognize that before the Lord. Be strong. I mean, I had no idea what was going on in Mutley until this morning. And, you know, I just I can feel the hairs rising on the back of my neck as I speak to you. Be careful, but be strong and lead. Verse 7, be careful to obey all the law my, Moses, my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. What's the guide in all decisions? That's what the Scripture says. It's not hearing voices in your head, and I'm being absolutely blunt about this. It's not the voices in your head that is important. It's what God has inspired and put on the page that's important. You understand? You're called to obey all that the Lord has written, all that the Lord has said. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. And then, verse 8, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So it's not just reading it. It's not just bearing assent to it, but it's responding in person to it, to do it with all our heart and mind and life. You may be careful to do it. I want to just speak very briefly about the word meditate as I come to a close this morning. The, the word meditate, as it's normally translated in both Old and New Testament, means to ruminate. I was in a harvest service recently discussing the, f- the fact as to why a, a cow has got four parts to its stomach. You wouldn't want to hear that conversation. But we were talking about ruminating animals, and particularly about the cow. You know what it does. It eats whatever it eats. That goes down into the first part of its stomach and digestion begins. Then sometime later it regurgitates that and it chews it. And that's the word meditate. So in other words, we read the Word of God and a wee bit of it we assimilate and it becomes part of our thinking. And God wants us to, wants us to bring it back to mind. He wants us to meditate on it. You know what cows do when they're chewing the cud? They lie down. They take time out. They spend time meditating. And that's the force of what's being said here to Joshua. Don't just read it. Don't just think about it. Don't just talk about it. We're very good at that. But meditate on it. Let it become part of the ethos of your person. So it's absorbed into our very character and makes us the sort of men and women that the Lord would have us be. I've got to close. I always set myself a a time limit of 35 minutes, so let's just close, if I may. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, so, one of those wee words we don't look at very often. But that's all, I mean, that's the brief that Joshua has. That's it. You know, that little package we just looked at very briefly this morning. So, 
So what are you going to do? What am I going to do with what the Lord has said to my heart this morning? So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given for you for your own. Joshua, hold on a minute. This river is a mile wide. It's a minimum of 600,000 people, perhaps up to 2 million, plus whatever cattle they've got left and so forth and so on. And you're telling us we're going to cross this river. But they don't say that. Now, I've got a question for you to think about. Think about it this week. Why do they not say that? Why do they not say, Joshua, don't talk nonsense, you know? Three days from now you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. How's it going to happen? Don't know. What's God going to do? I haven't got a clue. But God's going to do it. So we're back where we started. God will do that which God is going to do when God chooses to do it. I know you've been at the Regnum here for, for a year or two. And probably there's a, an element of fear and you're sort of analyzing in your, in your heart, you know, what do we see as the sort of minister we need? What we need to see is the sort of minister God sees you need. <laughs> you know, what would the Lord want us to do? Am I going to have the courage to walk with the Lord tomorrow? A little church I've been involved with for the last three years. We've just appointed a, a very young pastor and his wife. He's just 30. Got a one-year-old child. He's still continuing his studies. But we really felt as a leadership that he was, he and his wife were the, the people for the job. And the Lord is using him and developing his character already. But we've all got to trust the Lord of glory. We've all got to trust the Lord who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's his church. Let's give it back to him. Let's say, Lord, here you are. Do with it as you choose. Bring to us who you will. Help us to recognize the one that you would have take on this role. And walk with you tomorrow as we've walked with you yesterday. The Lord bless you. And thank you for listening. Let's just pray together and then we'll have our closing song. Father, our prayer this morning is that you would be back in the center of our living, back in the center of our thinking. That you would help us to read your word and to understand it and in your mercy and grace by your Spirit to outwork it in our living. We pray for this lovely congregation here. We, we pray for them and the decisions they will make in the next few weeks. And we ask that your hand may be upon them, and they'll be guided by you and directed by you as they trust you so to do, and that you will bring together the church and the minister that you have chosen for it, and that the, the days here may be days of prosperous fulfillment of your will and purpose. We just leave this congregation with you and ourselves in your hands this morning through Christ our Lord. Amen.